you didn't know. Well, your ass better call somebody. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Chris, Chen, Jason and I proudly present to you the podcast champs of the world. The producer, Chris, the historian, Jason, the host, Broderick and Chen. The Holy Shoot Wrestling Podcast. What's up, sharpshooters, and welcome to the Holy Shoot Podcast, a podcast that is all about the world of professional wrestling. Coming up on today's episode, we'll be going through 10 tons of information designed to punish the human mind, not yours, little listener, just ours, as we do an elimination of our favorite elimination chambers, and then, excuse me, I said excuse me, we'll be discussing some of the greats in women's wrestling. I, I do hope you get that reference. Anyway, joining me today are... Let's get ready to pod it! It's Jason. <laughs> this is Chen. Yeah, you're just Chen. <laughs> and this is Chris. How are you all doing, guys? All is good today, I believe. Yes. Can I say that was probably the best intro <laughs> yeah. of all time? Yeah, I'm sweating just, you know, I was really nervous doing that one. Because I really wanted to get it first take, and I hopefully it comes across quite yeah, good. Yeah. The only downside is, after I introduce all three of you guys, I just forgot to introduce myself. I'm host Broderick. <laughs> now we can continue with the What's Up Guys. What's up, guys? Again. <laughs> yeah. This is great audio. Yeah, I'm good. Just keep this in. I'm still suffering from my, you know, severe injuries that we talked about last week on the pod with my oh, bad yeah. wrist, but I'm still on track for making Mania, so that's what matters. Yep, yep. Uh, we need you there at WrestleMania, you know. I've got a main event, you know, I've got to be there. Yeah, someone else takes Becky Lynch's place. <laughs> that's what I'm booked for. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure if that's Charlotte Flair or Jason and Wick. <laughs> uh, Chris, you good? Um, yeah, I'm really good. Happy to be here. We're, we're happy that you're here. Yeah, because, after not having you last week. Yeah, <laughs> we're no longer going to take the piss out of you. It's, it's Chen that we're going to take the piss off for good. the next few weeks. Yeah, I think last week, Broad and I learned it, doing the producing thing is a bit harder than it looks. So well done, Chris. Yeah, Thank you. Jason did most of the work, to be fair. I was just there. But, you know. Anyway, Chen, how are you? Good, good. Sad that I wasn't featured in the last week's podcast. You know, I really wanted to big up Nia Jax, and I'm, <laughs> I'm just so gutted I couldn't be for the recording for last week, but I'm back now. I, th- I think we did a good job bigging her up yeah. on your we, behalf. We actually were quite impressed with her. We were talking about her quite strongly in terms of what we want to see her now do at Mania against Randy Orton. Yeah, she was close to winning my MVP, uh, which is like a first for Nia. So, you know, big up big up Nia. Um, I believe you wanted to do uh, discuss... Something with the uh, pod in the general banter segment. This is what we call it, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yes, abroad. So, one of our... That's my commonly known name, by the way. I don't know. J- just for you new listeners out there. So, one of our, one of our lovely loyal listeners of this podcast and who's a regular, fe- a regular member of the WWL Meetup has released his first ever book. His name is M.K. Adams and his book is called Child of Destiny. It is available right now at Amazon. I have read the book. It's a very, very great book. Um, I can see this being turned into a TV show and a film and hopefully I'll get a role in one of those one of those two, whatever it turns out to be. Aren't you going to get your name in the next book because of this? Hopefully. I better. (laughs) You're going to get killed first though, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Hopefully. <laughs> but, yeah, if you enjoy reading, this is a very great book. I definitely recommend it, and I enjoy all our listeners to go out and buy it. 
I actually have a new nickname for you, the literary critic. <laughs> and you need to come out to like uh, Hallelujah, like Damien Sandow. I can imagine Chen's just, critic corner. Yeah, just you know, yeah, that's you, a... with, you with a pipe as well, and and some scotch. <laughs> so you can listen to that segment starting from next week. Yeah, <laughs> Chen, we, we need a book review from you. Well, <laughs> I'm currently reading Chris Jericho's latest book. Ooh, we so, might actually have a genuine book review. Okay. <laughs> I, I must remember to uh, make note of that so I can uh, ask you how the book of Jericho is uh, coming along. Well, that was a general banter segment. Uh, so anyway, before we discuss what is best, what is the best, shall I say, Elimination Chamber match full time, as well as some of the greats in women's wrestling and, and, and... The return of the Ring of Dishonor will be the news just after this short break. Break it down, 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 Degeneration, yeah, yeah, that that really worked, guys. Anyway, interesting news week in the world of professional wrestling. Um, just to start things off, for those wondering why we're not talking about the AEW announcement party, it's because it hasn't happened yet at the time recorded. It's happening a little later. Um, it's uh, seven p.m. right now on Thursday. It'll be like two a.m. Friday morning UK time. So that's why we're not covering it. So instead of making ourselves look foolish. I will say that we'll probably touch on that next week in the news segment. Um, we'll also probably break down the latest rumours too next week because there's just too many names to go through, like Randy Orton, AJ Styles, Dolph Ziggler, Usos, to name a few. So no AEW news for once. So I'm going to move swiftly on, and that is to the WWE Hall of Fame, where according to rumours, the Hart Foundation are set to be the first nominee in the WWE Hall of Fame. Jason, as the man in the know of all things that predate my conscious existence, would you think that the Hearts are a worthy Hall of Fame headliner? Oh, headliner, there's a question. Um, well, the, you know. I, I mean, they definitely deserve to go into the Hall of Fame. And I, I mean, I'd love to see them headline, but I'd imagine generally they use singles acts to headline. Has a tag team ever gone into the headliner? No, I don't think never. so. No. They'd like to have that one big name star. Normally tag teams open the Hall of Fame. Yeah, they put a couple of tag teams in. I mean, they definitely deserve to go in. Um, I believe Brett and... Because they're, they're putting in the original Hill group, aren't they? That's a rumour of like with Brett Anvil and Jimmy Hart as manager. Yeah, because Brett and Jim are both in... The Hall of Fame already. Jim, Jim's not in the Hall of Fame. I'm pretty sure Jim Neidhart is. It's Jimmy Hart and Bret Hart is. I think that's the point they're saying, but Anvil's not actually in it, so this would be getting him in. Yeah, neither is Owen. Yeah, well, he's never going in, is he? Yeah, you know that. That, that's, that's what I was going to say. I think this is a way to get Owen into the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's not a, really a, a Hart Foundation if they're doing the tag team. It depends because the stable is different. This is the original I, tag team. Uh, they're talking about all the rumours are that it's the original trio with like Jimmy uh, Hart as manager. Okay, and that no. was when they were heels. I mean, I think it's interesting when they do that version because they got the most famous and that like probably made their most money and had their biggest run when they were a face tag team and they dropped Jimmy. So we shall see what version they end up putting in. But definitely well deserved. Big fan of Night Heart and the Hart Foundation. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I think it's great. I just hope they're not the headliner, but 
that's because I would like someone like The Rock or The Undertaker to get the headline. It's also hard to have a headliner who's dead. They've never done that. So you got to remember, like, Jim's dead and Brett's already been in as a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Well, so it'd be very strange. I can't, there's no way I can see them but headlining. there's just no other news about the Hall of Fame, which yeah. is very odd considering we're approaching well, mid-February. lots of rumours about Taker this year or The Rock and Batista it's and all f- that kind of stuff. So Ta- Taker's a weird one because he's deleted, like, well, off social... Well, not deleted, but he's removed... Um, following a uh, WWE from his Instagram and Twitter accounts, which is quite odd. Very odd. Hmm. But mm. Oh, yeah, they won't headline. I think we'll get a, they'll be announcing someone in the coming weeks, I'm sure. But I think this could tie into Batista, Triple H, Undertaker type stuff. Well, apparently Triple H is also like too injured to work Mania this year, and Undertaker's not going to be at Mania this cool. year. Apparently they've got no storyline for him. So, we're going off on a tangent, but I heard Triple H was actually recovering quite well and now able to work out. And also they're doing a celebration of Ric Flair's birthday in a few weeks, which would be a perfect time for Batista to turn up. Oh, that would be awesome. Anyway. We're you, going off on a tangent. Y- yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the life is about tangents. Yeah. But uh, to keep it on... To keep it on schedule. Um, moving on to the next bit of news. Monday Night Raw gets bleaker and bleaker. Seth Rollins and Sasha Banks are the latest stars to be injured, with Rollins not being able to compete for about a month. And Banks is also said to be injured. Um, she might be fine for Elimination Chamber. Who knows? But my question to you, Chen, is can Raw take any more losses? I think... Reading this, this reminds me of the road to WrestleMania 31 where they had so many injuries mm. leading up to WrestleMania 31. Uh, for example, they had John Cena that was injured. because uh, They had Cesaro injured. And one of the reasons why AJ Styles' debut on the main roster instead of NXT was to cover those injury losses. Uh, that would have been WrestleMania 32 then. Yeah, whichever WrestleMania yeah, it was. Yeah, it's 32 that Styles debuted. Yeah, Rons was injured. I definitely remember Rons being injured for that one. I'm afraid I can't remember. I thought AJ was always going to go under the main roster. Are you eating? I might be eating something. How unprofessional. How rude. I'm, I'm sorry, from the mic. I think I was in this segment. I thought I was able to eat. Um, what is Rawlins' injury currently? Uh, he's got a back injury. Um, so that's why he wasn't featured on this week's episode of Raw. Oh, God damn it. The, it's only a month, though. I think it's a minor injury, but he's not working. I think one thing that I did listen to, I can't remember which source, is that the original idea for Elimination Chamber is for Baron Corbin and Drew McIntyre to take on Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins. And now that's probably going to be Kurt Angle instead of Seth Rollins, which shows how desperate they are for star power. So, what's up with Sasha Banks? Because <clears throat> I think I'm so up to date on that. No idea. I, I haven't had the opportunity to be to fair, look. Sasha's... Um, I love Sasha, but, you know, she does have... She is kind of known to be kind of like injury-prone a yep. bit. Yep, So... Agreed. I'm not really surprised with her news. Um, but with the Rollins thing, I hope he can still make... It's it's just a one month thing. Or he's off for. He can still make mania. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's just more of a precautionary measure with both superstars. I think they want bank. Well, they obviously want Banks to be in the chamber because they've booked her and Bailey to uh, participate in that match. And uh, you can find out our predictions next week. Jason's very excited for that podcast. Oh, sort of, it's going to plan in terms of what's going to happen at Mania, I guess, with my ideas. But we shall talk about it then. Ooh, ooh, preview for the preview but yeah yeah uh, anyone else want to add anything 
No. no, but I'm just looking at my research, and you're right. It is WrestleMania 32, where everyone, ha- where WWE had so many injuries. Mm. Mm. The host is right yet again, and I'm feeling very smug. Anyway, lastly, it's been reported that SmackDown will move to Friday nights and will be live on air. However, it is noted that it will be in the short term, and that can mean SmackDown goes live at various different dates from 2020 onwards. In addition to this, Fox have announced that WWE will provide additional program to their Fox Sports channels. Now. Considering SmackDown suffered its lowest rating on the USA Network since the brand split this week, is any of this actually good news for WWE? Um, I remember hearing the, the idea that when they moved to Fox, you would expect an automatic like 25-30% jump in ratings just from mm. the, the fact that they're on like network TV instead. But they still have a gap to bridge to be a, an acceptable level for Fox. So it's going to be a funny one. I mean, they, they're putting all this money into it. I don't know what the causes are, but that means that they can move them around. or Because it's going to have a big impact on WWE in terms of they've got taping schedules, house shows, pay-per-views. They can't just keep moving it around. They're going to have to settle on yeah, something. Yeah, they also have like two different production teams. So they work um, different dates. Yeah. Like the Raw team works four days and then SmackDown team works four different days. So there's very few, very little crossover. And the Raw team, I think, works Friday to Monday. So I think that's one thing, logistically speaking. It's going to be interesting because the Fox deal will probably mean that they will they will obviously get more viewers in the USA Network. But I've heard stuff that they will need to hit around 4 million viewers to risk not getting cancelled. And I think that's going to be a huge concern. Um, with regards to its lowest ratings, I think that's because of the State of the Union address from President Trump. So that would probably explain it. And SmackDown... Uh, a pay-per-view, I think, actually, in 2016, had a similar sort of fate during the US election. So oh, we talked about this the other week where they put like the main event on first. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that, was, that. I think that was No Mercy. It was a triple threat it match. Was a, I think, yeah, I remember it was AJ Styles was in that yeah. first match. Yeah, it was Styles, Cena, and Ambrose, I think. Mm. Mm. Good memory. Good memory. Um, but yeah, I'm interested, though, what additional programming could join Fox because I'm thinking it might be 205 Live I think the thing is with like the Fox Sports they'll be up for just some cheap programming I guess as part of like, the deal so it could be mm. 205 it could just be like a main event type show talking or anything smack. you know yeah talking smack would be I would interesting love to, to see come talking back. smack yeah, back that'd be a great one to see back yeah just just have the Miz rant 24-7 that would be amazing yeah, but I'd like to see talking smack come back that'd be a good one to have on there like after Smackdown airs it's that- like a late night Smart yeah. talking smack. Yeah. It's that or they get like I'm not sure if you know this uh, sports journalist. There's one in there's one that works for Fox called Skip Bayless. Oh yeah. And yeah, yeah you know. The NBA guy. You're letting Chris yeah. talk. No, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> At least Chris knows who he is. Yeah. He has He's an idiot. Yeah, he just says controversial stuff for the yeah. head of it. He hates professional wrestling. I really want him to talk about professional wrestling. <laughs> He's such an idiot. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, um, he hates pro wrestling that much. I want them to cover pro wrestling as part of the program. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm just a masochist for more pain and lack of mainstream acceptance. But anyway, anyone anyone want to add anything before we move on? Um, I can confirm I have signed for AEW. No, we, we said no AEW this week. Well, that's exclusive what? for the show. What do you guys think about it being on Friday? Because I just think that's a bad day to be on. That's like when Fridays everyone goes out and everything. Um, 
Whereas if it's a Tuesday, no, it's... people are most likely to be home, so they'll tune in. They've put it on Fridays before, and it's it depends if it's a going out night or it's a family entertainment night. There's yeah. different ways to sort of swing it. I'm not talking about the difference in the ratings were when they've been on different nights, but a lot of SmackDown have been on Friday nights. Yeah, because they moved it from Thursday to Friday in 2005, I think. I think that was when they had... But it a... wasn't live at that time. No, no, it wasn't live, but yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Well, you know, some people might see it as like something to watch before they come. And I you don't said, know. <laughs> and we're talking about additional shows. I still think there might be a show for just for the women wrestlers. Mm, that's a good point. You will never stop on that one, will you? <laughs> I mean, we. I mean, I mean, there's so many things they could just do to put well, programming on. I suppose maybe on classic. Yeah. More tournaments. Maybe. I mean, but the- anyway. I mean, the rating requirements are going to be a lot lower on Fox Sports, aren't they? So they'll be yeah. getting some stuff to fill out the schedule. Yeah, that's the reason why UFC is pretty much not re-signed with Fox. But anyway, I think that wraps up the news. So after this short ad break will be something we call the Elimination Chamber of Elimination Chambers. This podcast is affiliated with the WWL Meetup Group. WWL or Watch Wrestling London get together with many fans to watch pay-per-view replays on Monday nights and attend live events across London, be it WWE, Progress, Rev Pro, Eve and many more. It's a great way to watch wrestling with friendly people and all are welcome to join. You can find out more at WatchWrestling.London or just Google Watch Wrestling London and you'll find the Meetup page. Elimination Chamber is coming up in less than two weeks, and I, for one, am always excited for this event. I also know Jason isn't. But anyway, it has provided us with some cracking matches since its inception at the 2002 Survivor Series pay-per-view. With that being said, I thought it'd be great to create an Elimination Chamber of sorts, without the Chamber, of the greatest Elimination Chamber matches. Jason, Chen, and yours truly have put forward two of our favourite chamber matches, and we will rattle them down from 6 to 5 to 4 to 3 to 2 to 1, and that will obviously win the Elimination Chamber of Elimination Chambers, and will be crowned the greatest Elimination Chamber match of all time. So Chen, I am going to go to you first. What are your picks to enter the chamber? And by the way, guys, I think I think um, we're just going to go round the table here. So One at a time. One at a time, and then we'll just go so to... Chen and me are starting in the chamber. No. <laughs> no. You say your two chambers. Okay. Jason said... This is like meeting notes, guys. This is... Jason will say his two chambers. I'll say my two chambers, and then it'll be a free-for-all. So entering at number one and at number two is Chen's lot. So I got the first ever Elimination Chamber match. Ooh. That happened in 2002. Mm-hmm. And my second one is the Elimination Chamber match that happened in 2014, which featured uh, Cesaro, Christian, Daniel Bryan, John Cena, and Randy Orton and Sheamus. Oh, interesting. Interesting choice. Jason, who's entering number three and four in the chamber? So, I think, as you alluded to at the start, I was thinking about this, and like when I was doing my prep, I realised I'm not a massive fan of the chamber, which I didn't really realise until doing this research. Because, and I love Raw Rumbles. I love Survivor Series. This is like a mashup of the two in some way, with a cage around it. And I thought I struggled to think of many matches that really stood out to me. And when I was doing the research, I think I realised there was at least one theme. So I've really got um, two matches for you, and the theme on them is Edge. Mm. So rather than an elimination chamber, I have edulation chambers. 
Just let that sink in. Just let that sink in. <laughs> I, I'm more laughing at the lack of reaction. <laughs> so the Edulation Chamber, so I'm starting with 2006. So this was the year when Edge lost, or he lost an IC match against Ric Flair earlier in the show. And then he went into the actual Chamber match later on in terms of waiting for Cena to win it and cashing in his money in the bank. Nice. So 2006, due to the first ever Money in the Bank cash-in. And then 2009 was the time when Edge lost the first Elimination Chamber match at the start of the show and then decided to beat up Kofi Kingston and force his way into the main event. So you're talking about the second elimination. Second one, yeah. So, yeah. so then when he forced his way into the second, which is the one I'm nominating, and went on to win that, having a great little battle with Ray and then winning the belt. So Edge-themed entries from me. So um, that leaves number five and number six. Uh Mine, my first one, is the 2005 Elimination Chamber. Purely out of bias, because it's the first one I saw. I became a fan in 2004, for those who don't know. And it, this match just absolutely blew my mind with the blood and violence. It set up um, Shawn Michaels versus Edge with the following Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Helped made Edge a top heel. It made Batista look dominant. And Batista would go on to WrestleMania that year and win the World Heavyweight Championship for the first time. And it put over Orson as a guy wrongfully screwed by Triple H again. So 2005 is the first one. And I'm going to argue for the 2017 Elimination Chamber match, which is arguably the best book chamber I've ever seen. Um, it featured AJ Styles, Bray Wyatt, John Cena, who is the WWE champion entering that match, Dean Ambrose, who is the Intercontinental champion, Baron Corbin and The Miz. And from Ambrose pinning Corbin to Corbin attacking Ambrose and then Miz pinning Ambrose and how that worked into the IC title picture at the time. Yeah, John Cena putting over AJ Styles once again when AJ eliminated Cena. And then you had Ray Wyatt's brilliant and somewhat unexpected victory, which played perfectly into the Viper and Ness storyline between Wyatt and the Royal Rumble winner Orton setting up beautifully a match for WrestleMania. Shame it didn't pay out. But not only that, this is the first of the new style Elimination Chamber, which allows more risk-taking, more bumps. Uh, it's safer, and that's a good thing because I never really like the metal floor uh, that they had outside the chamber. Not to mention, again, the clever booking as well. I absolutely loved this match. I thought it was fantastic. And I watched it when I was really ill as well at the time. So it cheered me up no end that this was actually a fantastic match. So, yeah. 2005 and 2017 are my picks. Can I just... Um, these all seem like quite good entries in terms of like my, the ones I remember. I just want to go back to 2014. Chen, can you talk me through that? That was your, your second choice, wasn't it? 2014? 2014, yes. That was the year um, on the road to WrestleMania 30. So Autumn was the undisputed champion. I think they were calling it at that time. Yeah, it was WWE World Heavyweight Champion, actually. I, yeah, they have so many names. Yeah, I know. Um... <laughs> And um, this was the one where I, I, where I really liked Cesaro being in this match because it showed that he can be with the main eventers. Okay, and, Cesaro's in it. And, yeah. you know, I'm a big Christian fan and he has some good spots. And just the whole crowd was just always behind Daniel Bryan. And, like, that was the, during the whole that Yes Movement hype. And no matter what any other wrestler's done... It was all about Daniel Bryan, just cheering for Daniel Bryan. But there were so many good spots in that match. 
in general. Okay. I'm going to be honest, I don't remember this match at all. Well, that's why I asked, because I just don't remember it. Daniel Bryan I, I was, had like, was, was there an elimination chamber, or was it just Fastlane that year? I can't remember. Yeah, exactly, was, this was Daniel, Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan had a taped somehow, shoulder. Somehow I'm not remembering this match, even though it was yeah. classic yes movement time, which is kind of And sad. then it, it came down to him and um, Randy Orton... Uh, before that, it was John Cena, Randy Orton, and Daniel Bryan, and then the Wyatts interfered and then took out John Cena. Do, do, do. And then it was just down to um, Orton and Bryan, and then Corporate Kane interfered. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't remember this, and I think for a good reason. It's too, kind of, it sounds like too many screw jobs. I kind of remember in the total Daniel Bryan getting screwed over thing. That's why I was thinking, how did this end? And it was okay, Corporate Kane. Uh, yeah. it was just recently uploaded to the WWE YouTube channel as well. So yeah, you can it, it out. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I just remember that pay per view because I looked at the card for that before, uh, in my research notes. Um, the Shield versus the Wyatts happened in that pay per view. Yeah, I think, right? yeah, that was a great that, tag match. Yeah. And that, that was a, that was a match I remember. Was Shield versus Wyatt because I actually do remember watching that pay per view. I just don't remember that chamber at all. So and, I don't. Um, I don't want to say I want to eliminate this first because I don't feel it's fair. But at the same time. One of the reasons why I want to eliminate this one first from the chamber. Well, one of the reasons also is the ending of the match when you see all the depressed fans in the stadium. Oh uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> right. So I'm not sure how we're going to eliminate it because I didn't think this far I ahead. I think my chambers are teaming up with Broad's chambers and we're eliminating one of the yeah, chambers. <laughs> I think we need to come to general consensus. So yeah, um, 2014 chamber has been eliminated. <laughs> so I'm going to go to. The 2009 chamber. Which one was that? The, the, the second one, one where Edge, two, Edge participated in two, right? Yeah, so that's when he did two. And we're yeah. talking about the second one where Edge came in. Um, you know, he was he lost the first one when Jeff Hardy eliminated him, and then Taker and Triple H did their thing. But in the main event, he got in there with Jericho and Mysterio and Cena, and Mike Knox. Oh, yeah, Mike Knox. Yeah, remember him. him. <laughs> It's, it's, what I like, so I don't know. I, I mean, what I liked about it was like when Cena came in and the other guys all turned on him and just went for him, and then we had that great sequence with Edge and Ray at the end. Yeah, I, rem- I again, this is one that I struggle to remember, but I, what I do remember is that fantastic like last six seven minutes between Edge and Ray Mysterio, two of the mm. premier talents that of the ruthless aggression era and the beginning of the PG era, just banning out, and it was crazy. I really liked the end of this match really do like the end of this match so 2006 chamber not to pick on jason too much yeah let's talk about my ones um do you think it was better because of the money the bank cashing more than the actual chamber itself you could say it's a bit of a controversial one for that reason but that's the one i I remembered it because it was it wasn't it was it was a pretty good chamber it's interesting that you had chris masters and Kalido working as a tag team in it and then of course cena overcomes the odds keeps his belt and then it's the whole when he thinks he's lying there the k the chamber something got and vince comes out with edge and edge cashes in so i class it as part of the chamber match because it's like a, a direct follow-on but it is a controversial choice yeah so Carlito and chris masters outlasted these guys Shawn michaels Kurt Angle and Kane. That's what teamwork does for you. And then only for Chris Masters to put them on the master lock to John Cena for Carlito to low blow Chris Masters of all people. Never trust a heel. It's just rubbish. I'm, I mean, the cash-in was one of the greatest moments in wrestling history, in my opinion. That first cash-in. 
mind blowing. And it showed why it's important to win the money in the bank. Yeah, what can be I think done everyone with had forgotten yeah. about it at the time. Yeah. I mean, he'd held the belt, but, he'd held that sort of money in the showed, bank for a long time. And it gave the definition, it showed the definition of cashing any time you yeah. want. But we're talking strictly the Elimination Chamber yeah. match here. So, uh, so I am in favour of eliminating 2006 Chamber. Chen? I agree, I agree. 2006 Elimination Chamber has been eliminated. So we're down to four. My two, Jason's 2009 and Chen's 2002. Which one do you want to talk about, guys? I say we eliminate Jason's one next. <laughs> yeah, Jason... I, I, I'm in favour of eliminating Jason, both the Jasons. Now, here's why. A, he doesn't really care. He's not going to get hurt too much by his choices. B, I want revenge on the Royal Rumble of Royal Rumbles. Because... <laughs> what happened because, in that? I won fairly. No, no, I, I'm okay with the flair victory. But it's like... The first time I allowed you to eliminate something, you just eliminated every single one but your own. <laughs> and you did it like twice as well. Ric Flair, mastermind tactics in a rumble, that was. But you're not just supposed to... You're supposed to go, oh, actually, I agree with your point. I think it, they were uh, all valid choices. No. No. So, anyway, that continuity aside, you want to eliminate 2009's elimination? Yeah. Wow. Going quick. 2009 elimination chamber... Has been eliminated. I forgot the words to that there. I forgot the words. I kind of want Chris to do the voiceover because he's like the referee in all this. A referee? Yeah, I don't know. Nah, you know. No, I'm just a spectator. Yeah. You're just a casual fan. Yeah. Casual member right. of the WWE universe. Let's talk about broad ones then. I guess I st- even though mine have been eliminated, I'm still allowed to talk about them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, so... 2017. Yep. And what was your other choice again? And it was oh, shit. 2005. I'm not sure what happened there. Who featured in 2005 again? Triple H, Randy Orton, Batista, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, and Edge. And it had special referee Shawn Michaels. So and it was for the vacant World Heavyweight Championship. So yeah, I'm leaving that one for the minute because of the star power and the stakes. Let's talk about 2017. Um, I struggle with this one a bit. It has AJ in it and... I'm just trying to remember, like, it just felt like Bray winning was like, meh, nah. Maybe it's because I hate Randy Orton, and I knew that Bray was going to end up going to some sort of like with Randy Orton for We're the We're talking belt. strictly about the match here. Yeah, I know. So I'm just thinking maybe I've got some negative, like, connotations to it because it's Bray Wyatt and everything else around Bray Wyatt's career and how it didn't amount to anything. So I'm just trying to Did, think. You're saying that Bray Wyatt winning the WWE Championship doesn't amount to anything? I mean, okay, Jinder Mahal held it later that year, but that's not the point. <laughs> There's still well, I mean, been only that, 50 that, men to hold that, that belt. That was the peak of Bray Wyatt, and after that, it just went downhill. Yeah, I mean... But we're but, judging on the yeah, match. That's, that's we're why, judging that's the match I'm like, itself. I'm and I'm telling got, you, the match is too perfect. many bad feelings. The match is perfectly booked. That's why I say, Chen, your views on this match. I'm going to get so, you... So, this 2017 Elimination Chamber match is actually my third favourite match that I put down of Elimination Chambers. Yep. So... I say we eliminate your other one. 2005. Yeah. With all that star power. Yeah, but star power doesn't mean anything. For it's the not title. Quality match. It was a I don't know if you remember that match. Oh, a very good match. Very good match. I'd, it's up to Jason to decide if he wants to eliminate 2005. We've got one vote. No, I want to get rid of 2017. Ooh. So now it comes down to producer Chris. No. Chris doesn't get a say. He's just so a, he's just just a spectator. What, what, what happens in? then if you thought this far ahead, bro? <laughs> we need a deciding vote. <laughs> uh, well, 
You're just a. F- this is not Taboo Tuesday. This is I'm not, not getting involved. This is not Taboo <laughs> Tuesday. Chris has done a run in, into the chamber. You've snuck in. Look. You know what? I'm going to eliminate 2005. I'm going to. I'm going to just do it for you. I'm going to eliminate 2005. Great star power. Great star power. Don't get me wrong. It is a really good, well booked Royal Rumble. Uh, sorry, Elimination Chamber. It's mainly because I accidentally put Royal Rumble in one of my notes. I'm very tired, ladies and gentlemen. But very good Elimination Chamber match. Don't get me wrong. But I think the only downside was it led to one more match between Triple H and Orton. Oh, good point. And that was not good. So, yeah. Aside from that, and plus, I really wanted Batista to win that room, uh, chamber. Fuck's sake. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> tired Brod is tired. Tired Brod is tired, absolutely. I'm going to eliminate 2005 Elimination Chamber. So, Chris, can you do the voiceover? So, what is it? Oh, my God. <laughs> 2005 Elimination Chamber has been eliminated. The 2005 Elimination Chamber match has been eliminated. And we're down to two, ladies and gentlemen. We're down to two. The 2002 Elimination Chamber. And I'm not sure if it's JBL or JR. <laughs> <laughs> 2017 Elimination Chamber. Can we talk about 2002? Because we've uh, not really given that much yeah, attention Yeah, I yet. do really want to talk about 2002. And that was one of the first ones that sort of came into my head. It's the first one. It's a great chamber match. Shawn Michaels, that's the start of his comeback, right? It's the early days of it. He's wearing those weird yeah, brown tights where he's like deeply playing it down and he's got his little Dutch boy haircut. <laughs> it's a bit oh, of a strange. Yeah. I think that was his oh, second I'm, yeah. I'm eliminated based on the Dutch boy haircut. <laughs> but, but then you look at it, it was a great match overall. You had the weird RVD nearly destroying Triple H's throat moment. And they just Ooh, had, because yeah. it's the first one, it was the most, one of the more innovative ones because they were like, what can we do in this chamber? I think this was also the most brutal one as well, where they went all out. It was one of the old school style ones. Yeah. They, yeah. they hadn't quite worked out the kinks, had they? So. And that's I the think, thing. I think, I think no one knew what to expect from this match because everyone's like, what? First elimination chamber, what, what is that kind of thing? I think if Goldberg won the 2003 one. Yeah, the second t- one. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great one. But that's only for Goldberg's spots. Yeah, but that really showed the destruction uh, more yeah. than Goldberg the 2002 one. He didn't Not, win, no. but he had great spots yeah. in that yeah, match. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was just comparing the destructiveness mm. of the two. Like, I will always remember that spear he did to Jericho. Oh, that was so <laughs> fucking great. I love that spear. It's my favourite Goldberg moment, actually, yeah. is just that to Jericho. But yeah, no, I really like the 2002 match. I um, if you didn't select it, I was probably selected in my top two. It's definitely in my top three chambers. It would have definitely been in mine. Wow, I think we know. I think we know. I think we I think we've decided. Yeah, I don't think it requires uh, much more debate. I, the problem is the 2017 one is better booked. Is it? I guess. It, the, the, the match the itself. The so match with itself. the with the 2017 one, the 2000- I really liked it, but I was like, it's everything. The chamber looks different. It's more safer and everything. And I was like, I want carnage and destruction. Oh, hold! <laughs> right. They were they were climbing on top of the pod. It's higher up. It is dangerous. I mean, the thing is, these wrestlers risk you know their life and limb to put on a show. Those metal bars are going to fucking hurt. I'm all in favor of making it slightly safer for them. And it meant that they could do more spots. And that was a great thing about the 2017 chamber is because of the redesign. Um, yeah, there's a lot more innovation in what they could do in terms of high-flying moments. 
and it did pay off in like the in future chambers too like in the women's chamber the first ever one i remember alexa bliss doing the um Oh, what's it called? Finisher. The Twisted, twisted Bliss. The Twisted yeah. Bliss. I didn't want to call it the other one, the Sparkle Splash or whatever it was. Um, I think I got that wrong as well. But yeah, the Twisted Bliss from the top to the outside. I don't think she would have done that movie if it was like metal bars. I also think I probably like the two fans of two more because it's just nostalgia for me. So, like, yeah. So, yeah, 2002. Nostalgia doesn't count, Chen. And I, Shawn Michaels making a comeback whenever yeah, no, I'm not I'm not denying that Shawn Michaels winning the World Heavyweight title was a great moment. I think it was a fantastic moment, fantastic chamber match, fantastic chamber match. But it's it, it better booked than the 2017 one. Right. No, because really it was down to just the other four were just filler. It's basically Shawn Michaels Triple H and didn't really lead to anything beyond that, as far as I remember. Yeah, to be honest, when you look at the th- 2017 one, any any apart from probably Baron Corbin, mm-hmm. any any of the other wrestlers could have become the winner. To be honest, I just think it was the way it was set up in 2017 because you had like one guy pin after the other. So Corbin went out first to Dean Ambrose, and Corbin attacked Ambrose, look, and then look at 2007 making a comeback here. 2017 making a comeback. We thought it was down and out, hulking up. Well, you know, just got to put over the points. So no, yeah, Broad but- made a. Um, made a great point. 2002 was kind of predictable about who the winner was either going to be, either Triple H or Shawn Michaels. When I look at 2017, apart from Corbin, you can think any of the others could win it. I think... in Oh, I, I don't know, because Ambrose is in the Connell Champion at the time. I don't think they were going to put it on Miz, but really it was down to Wyatt, because the Wyatt Orton thing made sense booking wise styles because they were high on him at the time and john cena because he was two weeks into his wwe title reign at that point and it ended it's like ah okay that's interesting and it it was interesting in a good way i think chen to your point just because like it was predictable the 2002 one doesn't mean it was a bad thing sometimes it's right to do like i said I, I, i prefer watching that match more but Mm. Mm. All right, we need Me- to yeah, so eliminate. J- so, Jason, which one are you going to? I'm going to stick with 2002 as my favourite. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to get producer Chris involved. Taboo Tuesday moment. Chris, which one do you prefer? 2002. Oh, fuck. Oh, well. 2017 Elimination Chamber has been eliminated. Our winner of the Elimination Chamber of the Elimination Chambers, the greatest Elimination Chamber of all time, is the first ever Elimination Chamber, Elimination Chamber 2002. And yeah, I was batting really hard for 2017, but eh, you're right, Chen. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> so um, yeah, well, there you have it. The 2002 Elimination Chamber is Holy Shoot's favourite Elimination Chamber match of all time. Up next, after this quick break, is our deep dive discussion into the greats of women's wrestling. This month, we'll see the crowning of the first women's tag team champions in WWE since the dawn before time. Since that match will contain two of the four horsewomen of WWE in Sasha Banks and Bailey, and no doubt a couple of additional future WWE Hall of Famers too, it makes sense for us to give our thoughts on some of the greats in women's wrestling. Whether they are a fantastic wrestler, manager, authority figure, or interviewer, here we aim to celebrate some of the greatest women to grace a business. 
not Dana Brooke. Anyway, Jason, oh, <laughs> as a resident historian of the group, I look you. I look to you to kick things off here. Sure, I think um, the first like really important names that jumped out to me were actually nicely tied into this women's tag team sort of tournament we've got called, or the elimination chamber we've got now happening. Um, the, this would be the Jumping Bomb Angels. Oh yeah. So um, I recommend going back and watching their appearances. It was the first ever Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble in '88. They were light years ahead of their time. Look at them in the ring with the women that they're in there with, who are just like almost moving at half speed. The jumping bombs, like they popped the crowd really hard. They were so good. I mean, you could seriously put them in like this current elimination chamber, and they wouldn't look out of place. So I'd have to sort of say it's worth going to look at their matches. They only had a short run in WWE, but they did a lot more in Japan. So they stood out to me. And if I'm going like through the old school, Sherry Martel. We must all remember Scary Sherry and or Sensational Sherry, depending like what era you were looking at. She was a good wrestler in Japan, AWA. Actually won the women's title in WWE from Moolah or WWF back mm-hmm. then. But then she's best known for her managing of heels, raking Hogan, taking the atomic drop from Hogan. Probably the only woman back then that was taking like bumps from the men. Because she would have Hogan and people actually hitting her and knocking her down. Or giving her like suitable moves, which was not really being seen by anyone else at the time. And then, that, so those are my old school ones. And I just think... Not May Young? No, I've not gone for May Young. I just don't know enough about her, I guess, in terms of some of that older era. I think she's... I, I just wanted to mention her because when you said taking bumps, I just remember my favorite... One of oh, my yeah, favorite bumps point. Yeah, that of was all a- time was May Young at the age of... God knows how long. Yeah, like in her sixties, I think, in the Attitude Era, sixties or seventies, she takes a Dudley bomb off the stage through a table, and she slapped Bubba and said, "You hit me proper." You know, she yeah, was. Yeah. Like, she wanted to. She yeah. wanted to lay it in. Yeah, I, I think Bubba Ray once put just went. Yeah, apparently it didn't didn't uh, hurt her enough. <laughs> I was just like, what the hell? <laughs> so May Young. So, Rest in peace. That was amazing. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, Sherry was like the first one I know that was taking this kind of bump. It's kind of like in, on a on a main event type stage. But you're right. Yeah, May Young did some cool yeah. stuff. So talking about Attitude Era, so I was going to go for the other one that stood out for me was the work rate during the Attitude Era. So much of it was TNA. It was Sable and like bikinis and like lingerie matches. Mm. But you had a few people like Miss Jackie or Jacqueline and also Molly Holly who were really good workers. And you saw them come back for the Women's Rumble the two years ago, I guess. China. Now. Um, China, I don't put her in the same league in terms of as a worker. She was definitely an attraction. She, she required, was very important. She required a bit more help to be good. She was someone who could be good like with people directing her. Molly, Holly and Jackie, they were like ring generals in terms of the women's yeah. division. Yeah, I just think China was very important to the she business. She was definitely too. very important in terms of the things that she achieved. But quite a few people would tell you she wasn't the best worker. Fair enough. So, Jen... Who do you think of the greats of women's wrestling? Well, my first choice, and this isn't a in particular order, but this no. particular lady, I'm judging her by her character more than her wrestling skills. Oh, yeah. And that is Stephanie McMahon. I Ooh. became a big Stephanie McMahon fan when... I forgot what pay-per-view it was, but when she betrayed her father and sided with Triple H. Armageddon 99. Triple yes. H versus Vince McMahon. <laughs> I had a Mr. McMahon DVD. And that is one of my favourite. Because it's like half of that. It's like the prototypical Triple H match. It's like the prototypical Vince McMahon gets beat up match. I love that match. And when Stephanie turns, yeah, it's so good. And so that was a turning point for me for when I started liking her character. 
I like loving her hip hop heel work. I just know. I think you know, like certain people go together and they need each other. And her being with Triple H just brought the best out of her, in my opinion, especially her character wise. And um, and she's also had some important matches. I can think of the one they had on. She had on SmackDown with where she teamed up with Zach Gowan to face Big Show. Um, that's not important that was important that was an important you're bringing back memories of like the Stephanie like career now and oh, I, forget, I forgot some of these things happened. Don't, don't, don't mention Stephanie McMahon versus Vince McMahon's I quit match no I'm not bringing that up <laughs> thank but god I'm bringing up another great match of mine which is um, where Stephanie teamed up with Triple H and Austin to take on Team Extreme oh. on the Raw and um this led to, you know, um, later on at Backlash, Taker and Kane f- um, facing Triple H and Austin. Um, also, I also like the rivalry Stephanie did have with Sable during the early 2000s. Yeah. And obviously, how can you forget her, her rivalry with uh, Trish Stratus? I think Especially been- her match at No Way Out 2001. Just the, the, the culmination of the storytelling and how it all ended. I think you are forgetting one thing, though. Ronda Rousey. That was a great match, yeah. But uh, probably, like, uh, probably a best match if, if for a non. Not to figure, probably a best match, I would say. I mean, it's funny. You think you don't think of Steph as much of a wrestler, but then you look at when when she's been called to get in there. Yeah. She's never disgraced herself, is she? She's no, always no. been sort of. Done I remember good. when she had a good match. So there's a SummerSlam. This is way before this Divas Revolution thing in 2015, and is. Page versus AJ Lee for the Divas title. I'm not going to call it Divas title. I'm going to I'm going to rewrite history like WWE. I'm going to call it the Women's title. Page versus AJ Lee for the Women's title, and that really should have been a good match, and it wasn't. And then the other female match, two on one pay per view at that time, was mind blowing. Was Stephanie McMahon and Brie Bella, and Stephanie McMahon was the best female wrestler that evening, and that's crazy. That's crazy. But yeah, no, I think she never really disgraced herself. I mean, just in general, just for her, you know, her being such an important figure and the things she's done as an authority and all the other stuff, she definitely needs to be mentioned when you're talking about mm. the great. I don't know, are we talking the greatest like women performers? I guess. And I, um, I, I think she'd be on that as well. Like, yeah. you know, she's a reason why John Cena's so huge because mm. John Cena was nearly fired if it weren't for Stephanie, who was head of creative at the time in 2002. <laughs> so yeah, John Cena wouldn't have happened without Stephanie McMahon. What else you got, Chen? I got Lita, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about people taking bumps. Lita was one of them who took so many crazy bumps. Um, you know, and I think she was ahead of her time, wrestling ability-wise. I think I can see her having great matches with the current women wrestlers like Sasha, Charlotte. See, I was Becky a big Lee. Lita fan, but I thought her work was sloppy. That was kind of the charm, I guess. It was a bit risky what she was doing. I mean, she, she did... I remember she did a suicide dive and she almost injured herself. Oh, that was the 2004 Raw main event. Mm. Yeah. That's something she had to retire because of the neck injuries she caused herself. Yeah. Um, I really liked... And, you know, when I think of Lita, I also think of how much she had with Stephanie at a, a Raw main event on Raw... I think it was Raw in the year she won 2000. The Th- it had the rock in there. It had yeah, loads, had so on, many yeah. interferences. Big stars at the time. It had so many interferences. Um, and then obviously her rivalry with Trish Stratus. But also, you know, you can't... When you think of Lita, you obviously have to think about the whole Matt Hardy and Edge thing and how she became a proper top female villain at that time with Edge. 
I really mm. liked her heel character. She really changed her character, didn't she? Yeah. That's a fair point. She showed good range. Yeah. I think Lita was so, so influential to many of the current crop of female wrestlers. So even though she wasn't... I mean, here's the thing about the Trish and Lita that no one really wants to admit. They weren't that good in the ring. I'd, I'd argue Trish got herself to a very good standard. Yeah. Mm. I would say they're over. They've definitely improved over the years. No, I'm not. I'm not denying that they're good. I just, not, I'm just saying they're not very good. Like they'd be mid carders in the women's division right now. However, my back to my original point. If it weren't for the fact that Lita was risk taker, the fact that Lita was fighting with the men in the Attitude Era like every other week, contributing to like some crazy spots and like ladder matches and cage matches. If it weren't for her risk taking, you know. Who knows how many women in the current WWE locker room wouldn't be influenced to join? Because a lot of them really do say Lita is a reason or Trish yeah. is a reason. I mean, I don't say Lita because she's just a bit different looking as well. Yeah, me? yeah. But the remarkable contrast between Lita and Trish in terms of looks, in terms of styles, and how they influenced each like different types of wrestler. Like Trish influenced Alexa Bliss. Lita influenced like Sasha and Bailey. I think it's just yeah. So those two women, are, are, you know, I, I wanted to put Trish in there because you know, they, 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 what they've done for the business is fantastic. And my last choice is AJ Lee. Oh, she was one of my choices. Um. I would say we only I, for me watching her. I've always loved her character work when when she's playing like a bipolar character or mm. psycho character. Whatever. I love her skip to the ring. Yeah, I love her skipping skip around to the ring. Opponent. Um, I like always her gear, especially the converses that she wore during her matches. Uh, but also like, I also think she was another one who's ahead of her time, and like I only got to see the best of her when she faced Paige. And I always wondered what would AJ be like, the amazing matches AJ Lee could have if she wrestled the Sasha Banks, the Charlottes. She actually had an okay match with Bailey, but I think they had a bit of uh, NXT. But if she had a longer, more longer time for that match, they could have done mm. something amazing as well. She was uh, like a pretty good feud with Caitlin. I remember that one. Maybe, yeah. maybe my memory's hazy. And yeah, wasn't she had as a good, good feud with Caitlin, yeah. but she was also like, her character was so good. She was in like, some main event spots like with the Brian. She was closing Monday Night part. Rawls because she was that good. Yeah, uh, like they they got her doing loads of different stuff. Forget she had a lot of interaction with like John Cena, Dolph Ziggler, CM, CM Punk, Punk, Daniel Bryan. Kane. There was a lot. Yeah, yeah there's a lot. She there's a main event. There's a main event WWE Championship feud that revolved around her. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, but she was fantastic. Character. Also, I I don't care what anyone says. AJ Lee is the one who started the Divas. Give Divas a chance. She started yep. the revolution when she tweeted at Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, I'd probably throw in Paige and Emma in the same bracket because the, what Paige and Emma did in NXT, you know, the first two women competing for the first ever NXT women's title belt, just because it's overlapping with some of mine here. Um, yeah, those three women in particular really kick-started what we see today, the fact that we're going to potentially see the first ever women's wrestlemania main event yeah uh, you know and i do hope she one day does return to wrestling but maybe even if it's not wwe part of me thinks she's actually done just like cm punk you know i i don't know 
who, who knows? You know, never say never in wrestling. We saw Jeff Jarrett return to Monday Night Raw for a match, something we never thought would be possible. So who knows? 50-year-old AJ Lee, some point down the line, taking on a young upstart. I also liked her theme song. I'm, I'm, I always, yeah. <laughs> well, fair enough. So I'm going to mention someone that's probably not going to be everyone's cup of tea. In fact, two people. The Bella Twins. <laughs> Hear me out. Hear me out. They did bring some element of mainstream attention to women's wrestling in the 2013-2014. Like, with, you know, with her, Nikki Bella's, uh, whatever the American Strictly Come Dancing equivalent. It's called, I mean, it's called Strictly Come Dancing, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, it isn't. No? Dancing with the Stars, that's okay. what it's called. So, yeah, so there's like a lot of like crossover appeal and that really, you know, helped push their own merch. I don't think they're just politicians as people make them out to be. I'm not a huge fan of their in-ring work. I'm not going to lie to you for one second, but there's no doubt that they are very influential. They've had an... Imp- they set, well, you know, loads of... Loads of female fans actually really like the Bella Twins. I think that gets often ignored by uh, a male audience. Um, so, yeah, I think they helped make female wrestling more accessible. I'll I know, them, I know. I'll give, I know. I'll give the reality TV stuff that definitely probably helped, but yeah. I still don't know. If it's, I still, like it's still the, a contribution. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I just. They, I just I, hate all that stuff and the reality TV yeah, and game shows listen, and things. I don't, I don't like it either. But at the end of the day, like they did are it, a significant did it, part. Did it bring in an audience? Do we know for sure? Or did I it bring reckon in- it might have brought in some. Because there's no way they plugged that show real hard on Raw and SmackDown if it didn't attract anything. It never moved anything. Obviously, I mean, ratings, what, you know. what is it on now? The Total Divas. Or? Still on E. No, but what seventh season or something? I don't. I don't know. I don't and watch the show. And you know, it's, I understand what uh, Brod is saying. They're good for business. You know, yeah, they... For example, with the reality show, they're the stars of the show. I don't think it would be successful if they weren't in it. Mm. And that's why they got their own spin-off show as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I like uh, Brie Bella. I think she was an, she's a pretty good wrestler. I wouldn't say she's pretty good. But I, I'm not. I'm not just commenting on wrestling. I think what I'm trying to say is I'm not just commenting on the wrestling ability. I'm, contra- I'm saying they're the contribution to the business in its entirety. Yeah, and I think people often ignore that they were there from like I don't know the late noughties and they did loads of rubbish angles before they could get to the stuff. Oh my god! I'm just remembering that time where they both fought for Daniel Bryan's virginity. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that was a story. But that's what I mean. They did everything that was asked for them. All um, I know is they make me think wrestling's fake. Well, you know, Leo Rush does the same thing on the independent scene and people don't complain enough about him. But, you know. So, I'm going to move on because I know it's not everyone's cup of tea to, like, some non-active ones just off the top of my head. Lillian Garcia. I like Lillian. I'm trying to think of, like, what her main contribution was... I, mean, I don't know. I just remember, like, post 9 11, just her contribution, just seeing an American anthem that was haunting uh, in a good way, kind of. I'm uh, not really sure if I described that properly, but I think, you know, wasn't she the first, like, proper female ring announcer in WWE? 
No. Oh. She's the first proper like mainstream one. Went for a long time. And yeah. Didn't sue that's. Uh, well, no. We forget there about the other one. Uh, Vicky Guerrero, one of the everyone like greatest heel authority figures. Vicky was such a surprise as well, wasn't yeah. she? Excuse me. I think no one expected her to come through and like develop that character. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think she was absolutely brilliant. Like considering how they exploited her husband's death, I would probably be pissed off in the situation. But the fact that she just you know took everything on her stride and she just improved and her heel work was phenomenal. How long was she, I don't know how long she was on SmackDown running that heel gimmick for. It felt like a few years that she was yeah, just been a great performer. Yeah, she about four years, I would say, because it got rid of Teddy Long for a while. It's a shame because I quite like Teddy, but Vicky was a great replacement. And I just remember hating every angle with Edge. Edge always winning the world. Like, not only did it put her over, it put Edge over as well in such a top heel way. I hated that power yeah, couple so to much. Uh, Renee Young. I know it's a bit difficult at the moment because being a raw commentator absolutely sucks but there's no no I didn't... like her close commentator yeah, she's, t- she's awful I prefer her other stuff when she when she got to do things I think was it Superstars she got to be like a proper commentator on there and like the hosting that she's done for other yeah. shows I think, she's, I think she's really good I think she's really good got a great personality I think Raw just stagnates her, her personality like she's actually smarter and funnier than that and I think she's a great interviewer and probably one of the best since Mean Gene Oakland and uh, it's a shame she's not the interviewer anymore because I kind of miss her in that role because she always managed to get people over. Unlike, I don't know, Charlie Caruso this past week on Raw. So, yeah, I uh, mentioned Paige, AG, Lee and Emma. I kind of also wanted to mention today's crop because I think how can you not already include in some of the greatest of all time, like the four horsewomen, especially like what Charlotte and, Bailey are, uh, Charlotte and Becky are doing right now, tearing up the main event scene and like no other women, no other two women have on SmackDown. I mean, it's hard to judge because the new women are so good compared to, I guess, what's come before them. The way the product, the women, the women's division just keeps evolving, at least it, in it, WWE. It's an evolution. Yeah. The way in WWE they just keep getting better and better and probably caught up with, I guess, Japan and some of the indie you know, guys. Oh, absolutely. Like, for me, one of my the favorite matches ever, and I thought was the best match at WrestleMania 32, was when it was Charlotte versus Sasha versus Becky in that triple threat match. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very That's one of my favourite matches ever. I just find it hard Mm. to, like, judge the current crop in terms of they're they're all so amazing and they're going to deserve to go in there. It's hard to, like, just pick them out. But it's also too early, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Bailey Sasha Banks is the reason why I watch NXT today. So, yeah, if I didn't mention those, the four horsewomen of WWE, I would probably feel annoyed myself after this podcast. Um... Other mentions, Asuka, Alexa Bliss, I think Asuka's a fantastic wrestler, probably the best WWE has ever seen in terms of the female division. Alexa Bliss, brilliant character work. Glad to see her back in the ring because, you know, she's going to be less bored. <laughs> but, uh, you know, her heel work is absolutely fantastic. So I just wanted to shout out those two as well. And Mickey James as well, her contribution is underrated. So, well, yeah, those are my three other ones. Just yeah, your, those are your 27 women. My 20, <laughs> no, well, they're not three. It was more like four. Bella Twins Carter's like, two. <laughs> like, I was just making notes, just like note after note after note. It's like, oh my God, there's so many great women. Most of them outside of today's generation have just been blanked or ignored of their contributions. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to mention all of them and I'm going to annoy 
Jason in particular. You want to throw in Stacey Keebler, Tori Wilson? No. No. I, Playboy models and... Yeah, they don't really count, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean actual contribution to the wrestling business. Uh, yeah, I feel I feel horrible because Tori Wilson appears to be a really nice person. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Yeah, those are just some of my picks, like, of what I think are some of the greatest contributors to women's wrestling. One one person we haven't mentioned, Miss Elizabeth. That's a fair point. I was looking at, I guess I wanted to limit my, like, historical ones, and I was thinking of, like, who delivered the most. But you're right, she was an amazing part of the Macho Man Act in terms yeah. of getting his character over in Elizabeth, the 80s, 90s. I love you! <laughs> what was, what, what, his most constipated voice. Well, what, what was really interesting is, like, you know, when he was a heel originally and she was his manager, but and then, you know, she had to be, then to the stage where she had to be scared of him and then, then sort of turning face again together. Uh, she was definitely an important part of making the Macho act, Man Act work. Yeah. Yeah, the reason why the uh, mega powers split apart as well is can't mention, you know. I think you guys have missed one. Oh, God. <laughs> I, you uh, can say Alicia Fox, aren't you? No. <laughs> Fox. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, Linda McMahon. I the guess silence is deafening. I guess she's done less in front of the camera. She's terrible in front of the camera. But, <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. But she obviously has uh, done a lot in the background. She's been involved with some really... Great but terrible storylines during the Attitude Era. So that's WrestleMania be... 17 when she kicked Vince McMahon in the nuts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she probably enjoyed that moment with that horrible Trish angle. Um, so, yeah. Mm. On that note. <laughs> I just remember now Kane tombstone giving the tombstone to her <laughs> on Raw. Uh, uh, Chris, you've lowered the... <laughs> I'd rather you said Alicia Fox because uh, just oh my god I'm just messing with you guys you know th- this is a good interesting discussion into the world of women's wrestling and uh, yeah you decided to bring in Linda McMahon no just just no on that disappointment yeah oh, sorry. so uh, this certainly has been a very interesting discussion gentlemen and what I will say to the listener if you're listening still is get in contact with us to let us know if you agree with our thoughts or better yet let us know of some of the great stuff we may have forgotten and we'll do a shout out in next week's elimination chamber preview pod uh the best way to contact us is of course via twitter so follow us on at holy shoot pod that is at holy shoot pod anyway up next is the main event and that's yours and our favorite segment ladies and gentlemen the ring of dishonor is back baby just after this quick plug hey you if you like the podcast then remember to like the holy shoot wrestling podcast on facebook and follow us on twitter at holy shoot pot do it do it now Lastly, it's the return of our weekly segment to close the show. The Ring of Dishonor. For those who haven't joined us on the pod before, it's like Room 101, but wrestling in an audio format. Each week, one of us will nominate something that they would like to see enter the Ring of Dishonor. The other three people on the podcast, that includes you, producer Chris, will decide if it is worthy, or shall we say unworthy enough, to enter the Ring of Dishonor. So, Jason. Wheelmaster. Not not Ringmaster, but Wheelmaster Jason. I need you to spin the wheel to see whether yourself, Chen, or I have something to submit this week. 
I just want to check, um, Chris, as I went over to the wheel, have you fixed it properly this week? Yeah, yeah. I took him for repair. Um, so it's going to work properly, <coughs> okay. It's fine. Gave it a week. We had to give it a week off while it was getting fixed, so let's give this a go. All right, I am spinning the wheel. It is broad. Oh, so I've just thought this one off the top of my head because this one is really, really annoying me. And that is AEW Overkill. So let me explain. I have no problems with all elite wrestling. I want to succeed just like most other wrestling fans because it will it'll be a boost to the business as a whole. It will make WWE improve dramatically and I think I think WWE will improve because they have competition again but man don't just like shit on one product even if WWE isn't the greatest thing in the world right now don't go oh they're going to get AJ Styles don't say that you're going to get Dolph Ziggler don't say they're going to get Randy Orton don't say they're going to get the Usos don't say they're going to get the Revival don't say they're going to get Mike Kanellis Maria Kanellis you know it's like too many rumours. Probably one or two of them are true. Get over it. It's not going to be that successful to begin with. They're not going to crush WWE. I am bored already of this story. I just want it to, you know... I just want I just want AEW to start so we can get over these rumours pretty quickly. Get over this story. Get over the hype. I do not even want to talk about the announcement party, but we kind of have to for our new segment. Don't, don't time me. You've had, your, you've had your like 60 seconds here. You know? Oh, I let other people talk for longer. So, you know, rude. Rude. So, yeah, I'm not putting AEW in. I'm just saying the overkill of the buzz around AEW, like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, when they're nothing more than just a glorified teeth shirt company at this point. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to argue. I mean, I, I find it really annoying when I'm on social media feeds or just trying to sort of get news and all I'm getting is all... I, I thought it made me cut back on my actual reading about wrestling at the moment, I think, because it's just so much crap about AEW and who they're signing and all these rumours and all the, like, campaign sites and the sort of Facebook groups oh. and just everywhere. It's constant. I want them to do well. Like I, said, I, I want to hear legit news about how well the company's going and who they're actually signing, but waiting for them to announce stuff while there's all this crap going on. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, I'm annoyed as well. I think... One of the I don't I wouldn't say it's AEW in general, but mm. they're just staying relevant by saying link by you know saying oh they're gonna sign this wrestler they're gonna sign this wrestler they're gonna sign this wrestler I rather hear what the actual plans are like what's the TV deal and stuff I like reading about that but yeah. hearing that they're connected to every wrestler is like so annoying yeah okay I'm like well of course he connects to every wrestler because you know. The wrestling industry is quite close. Cody worked for WWE. He's, of course, he's going to be connected to all these guys within the company. So, of course, he's going to say, well, you know, I've spoken to that guy, to some journalist. Oh, rumor time. I, I'm just... I think it's not just that, though. It's just the fact the fans are so... They think it's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. We haven't seen anything yet. We saw one pay-per-view, which was good. Don't get me wrong, it's very, very good, and I'm glad it succeeded, and I'm glad AEW is happening, but you don't know. It could be worse than Raw. That's the thing. I don't even think it's the fans. I think it's just all these news outlets. Oh, no, the fans The fans on social media really annoy me when it comes to AEW. You don't know if it's good yet. You don't know. Just judge until it actually happens. 
as I, as I'll continue to say, I really want AEW to succeed. I really like the idea of AEW. But yeah, that and countless fucking rumors that, you know, clearly half of those guys aren't going to sign straight away because it's still a risk to sign with a different company that doesn't even have a TV deal yet. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just bored of AEW. So you're not so much bored of AEW, you're bored, you're bored of AEW rumors. Speculation. Yeah, I'm just bored of the idea already. Just like, I want to know, know what you're submitting to be clear what I'm writing on. So yeah. yeah, okay. So I'm just talking about AEW overkill. So it's just like the general buzz of AEW. But do you mean what AEW itself is saying, or all the other stuff being reported about? All the other stuff on okay. the social media. The non-official stuff. news source. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so clear. for instance, like when Jimmy Havoc got announced, yeah. fine because that's news. That's something yeah, worth that's talking official, about. Yeah. But everything else. And just fans saying it's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread is starting to really wind me okay. up. Just wanted to be clear on that before I voted. Yep. Yep. So do you want our votes? Yep. So yeah, I'd have to I'd have to vote to put all the rumour and speculation in. Just because I've got a feeling Chen is... No, Shane Chen, I'm, I won't go to you last. Chen's going to... Also, I'm going to put it in because ah, okay. I hate all these bl- hearing bloody rumours and everything. But I, I'm, I'm looking for... Does I'm it, really excited for AEW in general. Yeah. Chris? Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you guys. Clean so. sweet. So clearly, holy shoot is signing for AEW and we should start the rumours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I might just actually do that on my Twitter feed later. Just like, hey guys, we're, we're going to be the official All Elite Wrestling podcast. <laughs> it's Co- Co- <laughs> Cody's definitely spoke to I'm going to tag in Cody and see what he says. <laughs> we need to Photoshop you into one of those pictures, announcement pictures. <laughs> yeah. oh, <laughs> holy that. shoot is all in. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for a Cody to call, <laughs> I can't wait for Cody to call us out and call us a piece of shit like Vince Russo well um, yeah yeah. just to clarify I we are all looking forward to AEW and seeing what they can do it's just calm it down a bit so I'm glad I'm glad it's going in I'm glad it's the latest entrance to the Ring of Dishonor so that wraps it up for this week. Join us next week for our preview of WWE Elimination Chamber 2019, as well as some other stuff that we want to talk about. Probably the AEW announcement party. But that's all from us here at Holy Shoot. We hope you enjoyed the show, and remember to subscribe to us on all good podcast outlets, and give us a follow on Twitter, at Holy Shoot Pod, and like us on Facebook. And remember, if you're on iTunes, or any podcast outlet that has a, a star rating system, give us five stars if you do like the podcast. And if you don't, just um, don't do anything. Thank you. So that's the bottom line because this pod said so. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun.